Good morning, everybody. We thank you for tuning in once again. We're in a good lesson here today in session four in our books and the endurance of hope. Before we begin, I would like to go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the blessings of life. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your holiness, for your sovereignty, for your omniscience and omnipresence. There is no one like you, Father, and you are wholly deserving of all praise, honor, and glory. We pray this morning, Lord, that this lesson will be used of God to bring uh, us to a greater understanding of your uh, yourself. We pray, Father, that you will touch hearts today and that I might be a mouthpiece, Father, to share this lesson. And I thank you, Father, for the wonderful privilege it is for me to do it. Please, Father, remember the many prayer requests that we have concerning our friends and family and neighbors. Please, Father, continue to remember our country, the social unrest, the pandemic, and a list of things that are certainly out of our hands. And we pray, Father, for your will to be done and that you will watch over us and guide us as your children in the days to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Today we want to talk about the endurance of our hope. And uh, a question here, when have you needed endurance to complete a task or a goal? When have you needed something to help you see the end of uh, maybe something that you had going on? I thought about that, and most recently for me, uh, it would be leading up to my retirement. Uh, in 2017, I had a heart attack. And to my way of thinking, I thought, well, that's it for me. I'm out of here. I'm going on Social Security and see y'all later. Well, God had another plan for me. Uh, in two months, I was back to work and worked another three years. And up until January of this year, was I finally able to retire. Was it hard? Yes, it was. Things were different after the heart attack physically as to my strength and my stamina was not what it was prior. How did I get through that? It was by God. It was by His grace and by His mercy and by His strength, by Christ in me, did he allow me to endure uh, that set of circumstances? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, most people don't enjoy pain, conflict, or rejection. I, I know I don't. But these things happen to all of us. Christians are not immune. In fact, living a life of obedience to Christ can result in just such rejection and suffering. 
Thankfully, we do not face suffering alone. Christ is with us, and our sure and certain hope in Him will sustain us. The hope we exhibit in the face of such suffering points to the one in whom we place our hope. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3 this week. And through his letter, Peter sought to encourage the believers in Asia Minor to stay faithful in the face of persecution. Over and over, he points to their hope in Christ as motivation for staying faithful and included specific actions that God expects of his obedient children. Beginning in chapter 2, verse 13, he addressed believers' behavior in several areas of everyday life before turning back to a more general appeal regarding how Christians should live. Now, how this all ties together, how we should live is tied to our endurance. If we live according to how God intends for us to, as his children, we will have the endurance to live out any form of persecution or suffering that, that we may go through. And uh, let's go ahead and read some verses here this morning. We'll read verses 8 through 12 first, and then we'll kind of check them out and see what they're talking about. Finally, in verse 8, Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. In verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Eschew means to avoid. And in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. In verse uh, 8, where it talks about be ye all of one mind. What we're talking about there, that we must cultivate Christian love. We have noted that love is a reoccurring theme in Peter's letters, not only God's love for us, but our love for other people. Peter had to learn that important lesson himself, and he had a hard time learning it. And think about how patient that Jesus was uh, in teaching Peter. And think about how patient he is in trying to teach us to love. 
as God loves. We should begin with the love for God's people. The, the word finally means to sum it all up. The whole of the law is summed up in love in Romans chapter 13. So the whole of human relationships is fulfilled in love. This applies to every Christian and to every area of life. You want to have endurance and be able to get through what you're going through. Try loving your neighbors as yourself. Don't walk through this life hating everybody. It's, it's hard. It's, it's too much of a burden to bear. Your attitude weighs you down. You need to love. And Jesus is the ultimate example of how to love other people. The love is evidenced by a unity of mind. And unity does not mean uniformity. It means cooperation in the midst of diversity. The members of the body work together in unity. That's just like here in the church. We need to work together in unity uh, with each other and not be at odds with each other all the time. Even though we are all different, Christians may differ on how things are to be done, but, but we must agree on what is to be done and why. And whatever methods we may use, we must first seek to honor Christ, win the lost, and build up the church. That's what we're to be about as God's children. Some methods are definitely not scriptural, but there is plenty of room for variety in the church. Another evidence of love is compassion. And that's having a sincere feeling for and with the needs of others. Sympathy comes from this word. We dare not get hard-hearted toward each other. Are we guilty of that sometimes? We do. We bring that attitude. Someone says something or someone wants to do something and it's not what we had in mind. And the next thing you know, we're hard-hearted about it. We need to get away from that. The basis, or we are also to share both joys and trials with each other. The basis for that fact is that we are brethren in the same family. We are taught of God to love one another. And that's talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. Love also reveals itself in pity, a tenderness of heart towards others. Now in the Roman Empire and in today's world, that's a quality that's not really embraced. But the Christian message can change all of that. Think about today, we are deluged with so much bad news that it's easy for us to get insulated and unfeeling. We become numb to it. Turn on the news, watch the news, or look at your smartphone or all the stuff. Facebook, I guess, if you're on that. Uh, we need to cultivate compassion and actively show others that we are concerned. 
It also instructs us today to be courteous. And that's more than acting like a lady or a gentleman, but to be humble-minded is a good translation. And after all, humility is the foundation for courtesy. For the humble person puts others ahead of himself. We need to get away from that selfishness. It's all about me, me, me. And it needs to be about other people as well. That's not always easy. We need to work at it. And we, we know that this Christian life is referred to as, as a banquet, but it's not always a picnic. We should not only love God's people, but we should also love our enemies. The church today had better be in preparation because difficult times are ahead. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around you and to see what's going on in our society, in our culture, as the awakening and the rage of people right now against government and against the way things are going. Don't you think for one second that the church is going to be spared being a target of this rage as well. I look forward to increase, and I, I really believe that it will. As Christians, you can live on three levels. You can return evil for good, which is Satan's way of doing. You can return good for good and evil for evil, which is the human way of doing it. Or you can return evil with good, which is Jesus' way and the divine way. As God's loving children, now a lot of people say, well, it's, you know, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We as God's children are not to respond in that way, and I want to explain why. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, tooth is the basis for justice. We must operate on the basis of mercy, for that is the way that God deals with us. Think about Peter when he tried to fight Christ's enemies with a sword. When the Apostle Paul was an unconverted rabbi, he used every means possible to oppose the church but when he became a Christian, now this is for us too, he never used human weapons to fight God's battles. When Peter and the apostles were persecuted, they depended on prayer and God's power, not on their own wisdom or strength. We're talking about how we're going to endure this morning. Right there's part of the answer we depend on prayer and God's power not on our own wisdom or strength we must always be reminded of our calling as Christians for the will for this will help us love our enemies and do them good when they treat us uh, badly we are called to inherit a blessing the persecutions we experience on earth today only add to our blessed 
blessed inheritance of glory in heaven someday. Use the example of Joseph in the Old Testament was sold by his brothers into slavery. He goes into Egypt. They think they're never going to see him again. God blessed everything that happened to Joseph. Even when he was thrown into prison for the accusation of chasing after Potiphar's wife, God worked that for good for him. And later on in Genesis, when he meets his brothers, again he tells them that you meant this for evil, but God intended it for good. If God's got you going through something right now, it may be a blessing later down the road in disguise coming your way. We should love one another, we should love our enemies, and we should love life. The news of impending persecution should not cause a believer to give up on life. What may appear to be a bad day to the world can be a good day for a Christian if we will only meet certain conditions. I keep going back here talking about how we're going to endure, what enables us to endure uh, whatever it is in this life that we're facing. And here's a key thing, I think, too. We must deliberately decide to love life. And this is an act of the will. He who wills to love life, it is an attitude of faith that sees the very best in every situation. Now, the opposite of that is the pessimistic attitude expressed in Ecclesiastes 217 therefore i hated life for all is vanity and vexation of spirit you can decide to endure life and make it a burden you can escape life as though you are running from a battle or you can enjoy life because you know that god is in control peter's not suggesting here some unrealistic uh psychological gymnastic thing that refuses to face facts he's urging his readers take a positive approach to life and by faith make the most of every situation is that easy to do no it's not it's knowing that god's in control giving him control and trusting him and believing him We must control our tongue. Many of the problems of our lives, Christian lives, so to speak, are caused by the wrong words spoken in the wrong spirit. We should read James chapter 3 and pray Psalms 141.3 every day. Think about the consequences of a hasty speech. Think about Peter in the garden the night that Jesus was arrested and denying Christ three times. I can't emphasize this enough. There is no place for lies in the life of a saint. You better do away with it. 
You better get it out of your thoughts. You're not to be lying to anyone or in any situation. Do good and hate evil. We don't uh, avoid something because uh, it's sin. Let me see here. It's more than to avoid something because you despise and loathe it. It's not enough for us to avoid sin because sin is wrong. We ought to shun it because we hate it. We hate those deeds and we don't uh, do those things anymore. We must seek peace and we must seek and pursue peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If you go out and seek trouble, you can find it. But if you seek peace, you can find that as well. And that doesn't mean peace at any price. Righteousness must always be the basis for peace. It simply means that a Christian exercises moderation as he relates to people and does not create problems because he wants to have it his own way. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Sometimes it's not possible. What if your enemies take advantage of you? We may be seeking peace, but they are seeking war. Peter gave them the assurance that the eyes of God are upon his people and his ears are open to their prayers. Peter quotes uh, the statements from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 15, and it says it would be profitable to read the entire psalm to describe what God means by good days. Good days are not necessarily days free from problems, but the, for in Psalm 34, the psalmist writes about fears. He writes about troubles. This is on our path of endurance now that I'm talking about. There's going to be afflictions, and there may be even a broken heart. A good day for the believer who loves life is not one in which he is pampered and sheltered, but one in which he experiences God's help and blessings because of life's problems and trials. It's a day when we magnify the Lord, experience answers of prayer, taste of the goodness of God, and sense the nearness of God. The next time you think you're having a bad day and you hate life, read Psalm 34 and you may discover that you are really having a good day to the glory of God. I have some more verses here to read and before I do, I want to share uh, something with you. Many of you know, many of you maybe don't know, that I drove a trash truck for 35 years. Back in 2005, 
I got hit by a car over on Murray Street. I got knocked to the street backwards like this. Cut my arm real bad. I didn't hurt didn't hurt my head, didn't hit my head. And that, that was an act of God. But anyway, what I'm alluding to here in Psalm 34, after that accident, I kept replaying that over and over again in my mind. I kept seeing that reoccurrence. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept thinking about it all the time. When my reading... Uh, daily reading I, I had prayed that God would please help me to not think about that that accident because it, it scared me it scared me when it happened and uh, one day in my reading was my prayer answered and in Psalm 34 I'm going to read uh, 22 verses of it we're not in a big hurry I hope so, here we go. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. And in verse 4, when I read this verse, I never thought of this accident again unless I told somebody about it. This was God speaking to me through his word. In verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's a true story, as sure as I sit. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord. Ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come ye, children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? that he may see good. Keep thy tongue from evil. Here's the verses that we're talking about today of, of how to endure and how God wants us to live. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them 
that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. When I got hit by that car, I didn't break any bones. And I got hit too. It wasn't just some brushing up against it. I got slammed. Not one broken bone, but just some cuts. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. And finally, in verse 22, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. That's good to know this morning, in whatever it is that we are up against or facing, that we can endure because we have our endurance is Christ in us. And in uh, some more verses here, verses 13 and 14. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. In verses 15 through 17. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And in verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? And we were talking about Joseph uh, God blessing him in all that, that he went through. Does that mean this morning that God is, a child of God is living on a pretty high plane and above the problems of, of the world? No, we're still going to go through things, but God is going to watch over us and be with us. Does that mean that God will give you an armor so that nobody can touch you at all. Suffering for the right should bring joy to the child of God. Some uh, Christians act, actually make themselves obnoxious in their witness to others, thinking that they are taking a stand for the Lord. But if we have simply taken a quiet stand for the right and for God, we ought to rejoice if we suffer for that. You are not going to escape suffering in this world if you are a child of God. Someone has said that Jesus, oh, I said it was, uh, speaks of Christianity as a banquet, but sometimes it's never a, a picnic.
he never said that we we're going to have it easy down here. We're going to go through some trials and through some suffering. But talking about here to sanctify the Lord in, in your heart and be ready to always give an answer to every man that asks you what is the reason for your hope. It means that we ought to know a little bit more about the Bible. So many people that say they're Christians are able to be tied up by an unbeliever in his questions because we don't have the understanding and the knowledge of God's Word that we should. I'm guilty of that as well. I, people know that I'm a Christian. I've had people that I worked with, unbelievers, come to me and ask me to pray for them. And many would have questions about the Christian faith that I was unable to answer. So I, me bringing this up, I'm just as guilty as well. I need to be more well-versed in Scripture and in its understanding and its application as to my witness uh, to unbelievers that, that we may encounter. We need to get into God's Word and study it. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Do, do you have a place where you go to and pray this morning? Do you have a little room, a quiet place? I've often said that in my old gray pickup truck is where I pray and uh, speak to the Lord. If there is, folks outside will know that you belong to God and know that you will not have to mouth it all the time or make yourself obnoxious by making some kind of pious statement. We need to do that this morning. Habakkuk wrote, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. On Sunday we may go to church, but the world is passing you by. They're headed for the beach, for the mountains, for the desert, places of amusement. The whole world is not keeping silence before him. Why? Because they've not sanctified the Lord God in their hearts this morning. They need, need to do that. Getting here down to, we're just about through here, and how quick this time goes. Our hope in Christ will carry us through any difficult circumstance or suffering. We may experience times of unjust suffering because we stood up for what is right. Nonetheless, when our hope is rooted in Christ, enduring through such undeserved trials can strengthen us to face other troubling times. When I talked about the endurance after the heart attack of uh, being able to make it through to retirement. I said that that wasn't an easy thing to go through, but God gave me the strength and made me a stronger person to have the resolve 
to trust him uh, in the midst of the things that we go through. Our foundation of hope in Christ is secure. He is our rock and our cornerstone, as we talked about last week. We don't have to fear and we don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to be troubled. We don't need to let others cause us inward commotion or take away the calmness that we have in Christ. We are blessed to be counted among those who suffer for righteousness' sake. This should serve to encourage us and strengthen our resolve, not trouble us or shake our calmness of mind. We should have an inner strength and a peace knowing that we belong to God, that He is in control, and that we're just going to be here for just a little while. And to wrap it up, holiness. Peter recognized that if believers would set apart Christ as holy in their heart, we're not going to worry about what other people think. Where it talks about here in uh, the verse, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed and falsely accuse your good conversation. Just make sure that whatever people are talking about you is not true. And then you don't have to worry about it. Let the gossip go and let them say what they want. But you know in your heart and God knows that it's not true. So water off your back. Readiness. Once that we have settled the holiness and lordship issue, we can be ready to give a defense for the reason for our hope in Christ. If we haven't set Christ apart as Lord, his rightful place, we can easily clam up or change the conversation. An example I want to use is uh, Peter on the night that Jesus was arrested, denied Christ, was sorrowful, was beat down and defeated. But what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and fell? He boldly proclaim the gospel and later on in the book of acts 2 we read that where peter and john went and preached uh, the gospel that the religious leaders ordered them to stop preaching uh, the word of god to not say anything more in the name of jesus i've got one more thing here if i can find it that Peter and John responded to the hostile group with these words. This world's hostile against believers. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide 
For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we've heard. That's in Acts chapter 4. We should be unable to stop speaking this morning about what God has done for us in saving our souls. We speak unashamed and give God all the glory this morning. Nothing that we did. It's all about what he did and what he's doing. And there's a lost world that is desperate to hear it. And we must be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ this morning. I thank you once again for your time and your patience with me. Come on Sunday morning if you can. And uh, glory to God this morning and thank you for your time.